have checked out on spring break already. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. I want to test your memory. Who in here thinks they have a good memory? Like less than half of you? Really? Man, I, I figured you guys would have better memories than that in here. All right, so here's what I want to do. I have a couple questions that, in theory, you learned when you were in fifth grade. So let's test your memory and see how well you remember these answers, okay? I'm, I'm going to give you an easy one to start with. Are you ready? If you know the answer, just shout it out, all right? How many sides does a hexagon have? Six. Okay, so pretty easy. So that you got that one. How about this one? If a football field is 100 yards long, you mean no. <laughs> How many feet is that football field? 300. Okay, so, see, this is not so hard. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Let's do a little history. What was the name of the last queen of France? Well, okay, some of you got it. Some of you said it very boldly. Some of you went, because <laughs> you're not sure. All right, how about this one? There's actually a song about this, but many of you may not know it. <laughs> the modern day city of Istanbul was known by what name in the 13th century? Constantinople. Okay, so some of you know that one. All right, the first atomic bomb attack was on which city? Okay, here we go. Why? Why do you often see lightning before you hear thunder? Because light travels faster than sound. I think somebody went because it goes pow. No, that's not why, okay? All right. Which tool is used to estimate the likelihood of certain genetic outcomes? Ah, okay, Punnett Square. That's right. All right. I'm, I'm impressed with you guys. Which country is closer to Asia, Canada or the United States? Yeah, y'all don't know this one, do you? Okay. It's the United States is closer to Asia. What's the capital of New Hampshire? Did some, who said Concord? Concord, that's right. There it is. Hey, that's a sixth grader. He knows his stuff. It's fresh in his mind. All right, here we go. Who's the author of the 1960 novel about social and racial inequality to kill a mockingbird? Harper Lee. Okay. Are you ready for this one? You should. It's a good book. I got one more. Are you ready? This is a long question, so pay attention. Often seen at the end of a sentence, the three trailing dots that indicate the... What's that? Well, I'm just going to stop right there. That's exactly what it is. It's an ellipsis. Okay. So here's what I just learned. What's that? Some of y'all are smart. Yeah. Here's what I just learned. Some of you since you were supposed to have learned this in fifth grade, you either learned it and like forgot it immediately or you never paid attention and didn't learn it or it stuck with you. You had a pretty good memory. So as I asked those questions, you learned those facts and somewhere in your mind, you filed those things away. And it's amazing to me because different people will remember different things. You can sit in a class with an entire group of fifth graders or sixth, seventh, whatever grade you're in now, and you can all learn the exact same content. Or let me rephrase, you can all be taught the exact same content. Some people in that class, it will click and they get it and they understand it and they're good to go. 
Some people in that class, it's like hitting a brick wall on their forehead. That information is just not going in and it's not going to stick because you can't remember it. Because there's some information that holds significance for you. I can tell you, for me, for instance, I, I could do pretty well in English, but if you put me in a math or science class, I was going to do really good in those because that stuff just clicked for me. When it comes to, to, see, to meeting people, faces stick in my head and I don't know why. Miss Kathleen tells me it's the weirdest thing. I will see somebody and I will see them months later and I'll go, I know that person. I don't know where, I don't know why, but I know I've seen them somewhere before. What's that? Oh, because apparently I'm a robot. Okay, so I remember stuff like that. But for some of you, faces don't stick. You can meet someone 15 times and the 16th time you're just like, hey, it's nice to meet you. I've never seen you before. For some people, math, science, it, it just doesn't stick. And, and it's different things for different people. But what Paul is talking, not Paul, Peter, what Peter, I always want to go to Paul in the New Testament, what Peter is talking about is we get into the second half of first, excuse me, second Peter chapter one tonight is he's talking about this idea of your memory. We're going to be in second Peter chapter one. We're going to start in verse 12. And, and what he's doing is he's tapping into something that, that is true about all of us. Because your brain is going to store certain information. It's going to recall certain things while it may not recall other things. If you have ever had this experience of, I'm going to cram everything I can 30 minutes before I walk into a classroom so I can at least just pass this test. And you get in there and you, you scrape by and hopefully get a C on it. And the moment you put down your pen or pencil and you walk out that door, everything you crammed in 30 minutes before is like, it's gone. Yeah, some of y'all are like, oh yeah, all the time. But what Peter is talking about, hey, as we get into this tonight, Peter is showing us very quickly, he's at least got a little bit of an understanding of human nature. Because what he starts talking about is this idea of remembering. In fact, there's two different things he's going to show us in this passage tonight. And these things are true for this, these, these early believers then, and they're true for us right now. What Peter is writing here are these two concepts, and they are this. It's to remember what you know to be true and remember why it's true. When it comes to God's Word and who God is and what God has done, you've got to remember what you know to be true, and you've got to remember why it's true. But before we dig into that passage, let's talk about the questions that we always talk about when we walk through a book of the Bible. Who wrote 2 Peter? Thank you. I, I'm telling you, I'm starting you all off with easy ones all night long. Where was it written? We believe it was written in Rome. He may have been in jail. We're not sure. When was it written? Okay, 62 to 64, 64 to 67. There's, there's kind of a five-year gap there of when they think it might have been written. What we do know is that when he wrote it, it was not long before he was martyred, before he was killed. In fact, it was during the time when what emperor was persecuting Christians? Nero. Emperor Nero was, was going after Christians, trying to stomp out this belief system, this religion. And in doing so, the amazing thing is all he did was scatter the Christians and make it spread, which is awesome. Who was this book written to? Not originally. Who was it written to? Huh? Who was it written to? Yeah, it was written to the early church. Yeah. 
Whether you said it out loud or not, that, that's who it was written to. It was written to believers who were facing persecution. And why was it written? Two reasons. To encourage. What's that? Yeah, to encourage and warn against lies. Against false teaching. But as we get into chapter 2 in two weeks, since we won't be here next Wednesday night, that's exactly what chapter 2 is about. False prophets and teachers. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I'm going to ask you guys to stand the way we always stand when we read a chunk of God's Word. And we're going to read through verses 12 through 21. Follow along with me. It says in verse 12. Well, let me find my place. But these... Nope, that's chapter 2. Let's go back to chapter 1. Therefore... I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For, prophecy was ever produ for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together tonight, God. I thank you that we can spend time in your word together understanding who you are and who you've called us to be, God. And I just pray that we'll be different because we've been in your word and in your presence tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So he starts off with that very first thing he's teaching us and, and he wrote to these early believers. He's talking about remembering what you know to be true. What Peter is writing here is he's, he's going back in verse 12. Let me read that again. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Do you know what qualities he's talking about? Yeah, I don't remember what we studied two weeks ago, do you? Just two weeks ago, he says, I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Peter is pointing back to the first part of this chapter that we looked at two weeks ago. If you go back to verse 5, let me read it for us. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So Peter has talked about what these qualities are. He's basically saying, hey, if you've experienced salvation, and, and you know who God is. You know that, that God is the one that saves you from your sin. The only reason any one of us can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is because God is the one that takes action in that relationship. 
God makes us aware of our sin. God shows us our need to be forgiven. He's the one that draws us to Himself and He is the one that saves us for His own glory. And as I say that, that sounds a lot like, well, our salvation is really all about God. And that's true because it is. That's what we see as we walk through the New Testament, as we read Peter, as we read Paul, we see time and time again that you and I, if we've got a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we were created for God by God to bring Him glory with our lives. Our entire life as a disciple of Jesus is supposed to be about God, about pointing other people towards God. And what he's saying there in that first part of 2 Peter chapter 1 is that once you experience what God has done for you, now you have a responsibility. Now that you've experienced salvation, now it's your job to begin to learn about God. Now it's your job to begin to make these things a part of your life, these qualities that he talks about here, these characteristics. And he's saying, as you do that, your life begins to honor God. But man, we forget things so quickly, don't we? He walks through those things, and then he says there in verse 12, as long as I can, I'm going to remind you of these qualities because even though you know them and you're established into the tr in the truth, you're going to forget. You're going to forget these simple things that you're supposed to do because we all forget, don't we? We just proved that a few minutes ago. I have found that I have this problem more these days than I used to. Have you ever walked into a room and you walk in that room and you know you're there for a reason? And you have no idea what that reason is. Because, okay, I don't feel so bad because some of y'all are shaking your heads like, whew, okay, maybe I'm not as old as I think I am. That's, that's a problem because your, your memory, you, you just, I don't know. I don't know. What, I'm standing here. I'm looking around. I'm like, and you'll go back and even retrace your steps. I was in this room before. What was I thinking in this room that brought me to this room? We all do that. We begin to, what's that? That is a brain fart. That's exactly what that is. That is exactly what that is. But we also have this problem, and I know you all experience this. Your parents tell you to do something. And literally two seconds after they walk out of the room, you're like, what did they say? And then you get in trouble because you didn't do it? That happens. What Peter is showing us is that's, that's human nature. Because when it comes to certain things, we have terrible memories. I just did this in the hallway tonight. I have to excuse myself when I'm talking to people and they say something that I need to remember. I will pull out my cell phone and start typing on my cell phone. And I have to excuse myself and, and tell them I'm not being rude. I'm sending myself an email so that I don't forget what they're telling me because if I don't write it down, I'm not going to remember it. Because we have horrible memories for certain things. The problem is sometimes when it comes to following God and who He's called us to be, we have horrible memories there too. And that's why Peter's writing what he's saying here. He's saying that you and I, we have to constantly be reminded of who God is and what he's done because it's way too easy to get distracted by everyday life. With all of the things that you are a part of every single day, school, sports, work, chores, family, friends, pets, hobbies, and all of the other things that I didn't even mention. All of those are good things, but when all of those things start happening on a day-to-day -day basis, we get distracted and we start to forget who God has called us to be. And we start to forget the things that we're supposed to do in our pursuit of Him to live a life that honors Him. And He's saying every one of us has to work 
to remember those things that we know to be true about God. And, and look at, look at what he, why he's taking the time to do this in, in, in verse 13. Here's what Peter says. He says, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter's telling them these things because it's too easy and too quickly that they forget those things. But he's also doing this because he knows that before too long, he's not going to be around anymore. He knows that his death is coming soon. He doesn't know when it is. He's got a picture, a a vague idea of what it might look like because Jesus actually told him an idea of what was going to happen to him. All the way back in John chapter 21, verse 18 and 19, this is Jesus talking to Peter. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Now, church tradition tells us that Peter was crucified. In fact, it tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way that Jesus was. We don't know that for a fact, but that's what tradition tells us. But but Peter knows his death is coming here. There's an urgency in what he's writing. That's why he's saying, I'm here now, and as long as I'm here, and as long as I can, I'm going to remind you of who God is and who you're supposed to be because he wants to make sure these believers know these truths and are living them out before that time comes. And that same urgency is still here right now. As, as you sit in here tonight, as you listen, as you take notes, as you learn, my prayer is that you are going to hear and understand the Word of God. That you will grab a hold of it, of what it means for your life and what it means to be forgiven of Je- by Jesus Christ, what it means to live a life that, that honors God, that you'll comprehend the reality that God has a plan for your life. And it's way different than anybody else in this world would tell you it is. God has created you on purpose for a purpose. And that plan is to live a life that honors him. And and it's my prayer that, that you won't waste one minute pursuing anything but Jesus. But you need to understand it's the same prayer of every single adult leader in this room. That's not just me. That's all of us. Because there's going to come a day when we're not going to be speaking into your life anymore. There's going to come a day when, when maybe you graduate and you go off to college or, or you get married and you move away and, and we are no longer active parts of your lives and all of those things that we've tried to help you understand, we've tried to teach you, we're not going to be there to remind you of those things anymore. And that's exactly why Peter is writing this here. He's saying, you need to get this now because there's going to come a day when I'm not here and you've got to discipline yourself to know who God is, to follow God and to live it out. There's going to come a day where somebody's not teaching you a life group lesson. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to be the teacher. There's going to come a day when somebody's not looking at you going, did you read your Bible today? You've got to learn how to do it on your own. And that's exactly what Peter is trying to help them understand. He's trying to say, remember what you know to be true. You know who God is. 
You know what Jesus has done on the cross and when he rose from the grave. You know who God has called you to be as someone who says they're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember it and live it out. Remember what you know to be true. But just as important as that second thing he's communicating here, you need to remember why it's true. Look at what he writes in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic, by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is, is assuring this this church, these believers here, that they can trust what he's saying because he's actually spent time with Jesus. Because he was there, because he, he witnessed the miracles, he witnessed the healings, he witnessed all of these things that Jesus did. In fact, right here, he's referencing one specific experience he had with Jesus. That was the ascension of Jesus. And if you don't know what that is, that is the time when Jesus had risen from the grave, when he had completed what God had for him to do here during that time, and when they watched him go back to heaven. It tells us about that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James. So Peter was there. And John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Peter is communicating to these readers and showing us that he's not making this stuff up about Jesus. He's saying, guys, I, I was there. This isn't some wild story that he made up in his head and he wrote down because he thought people would enjoy it. He was actually there. These were real events that actually happened and Peter was a real life witness to them. And again, Peter understands human nature because you and I, we tend to trust the eyewitness account of someone who was there way more than we trust somebody who heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody who was never even there. Peter's saying, I was there. I saw it. I heard the voice from heaven. I saw what happened. You can trust the things that I'm saying, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, believe me, that's good enough. He says, you don't have to trust me. That eyewitness account, that's really reliable. There was a show years ago. Anybody ever seen Reading Rainbow? Does that show come on again? Yeah, Reading Rainbow. Some of y'all don't like that. Reading Rainbow was a show where you had this host and he would talk about books and they would read books and have different people talk about books. And every time he talked about a book, he would go into this one phrase, he would say, but don't take my word for it. And that's exactly what Peter's saying right here. He's saying, hey, I've seen Jesus. I was there. I witnessed it. I heard God's voice. But don't take my word for it. Look at what he writes in verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention 
as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter is exclaiming, I was there, I saw Jesus, I heard God, but if you need more, trust the Word of God. If you don't trust my Word, trust what the Word of God says. Because you can question and you can accuse somebody's testimony. You can say, hey, you, you didn't quite see it the right way. You got this detail wrong. You got that detail wrong. But the Word of God holds true every single time. When, when you look at Scripture, he's pointing specifically to the Old Testament Scriptures. He's saying that, that these are things that were inspired by God. They were written by men, but those men were guided by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God to pen exactly what God wanted on paper. Because God's Word is inerrant. It's infallible. It's 100% correct every single time. You can trust it. Peter is telling these believers and he's telling us, you need to remember what you know to be true, the things that you've learned about God, that the life of a disciple that he has called you to be is all about living to honor God. Remember those things, pursue those things, work to make those things a part of your life every single day because no one else can do it for you. People can help you, but when it comes down to it, only you can take what you know about God and remember what you know to be true and do something with it. But just as importantly, you need to remember why it's true. It's true because it's the Word of God. It's true because of who God is. It's true because God never fails because week after week, every single one of us, these adults sit in this room and we say, trust us what the Word of God says, but we also tell you, don't take our word for it. Go to God's Word yourself. Open up your Bible. Every Wednesday night, what's the first thing I tell you to do? Go get a Bible. Because I don't ever want you to sit through anybody teaching or preaching and not have the Word of God open in front of you. You can remember why it's true because it's the Word of God. And it is correct every single time. We may not always like what it says. We may not always want to do what God's word tells us we're supposed to do. But every single time, it's going to be the decision that honors God if we stick to what it says. That's why we have to remember why it's true. So my question for you tonight is, are you doing those two things? Are you remembering what you know to be true? Are you pursuing Jesus because you remember all the life group lessons and all the sermons and all the Bible story times and everything that you've sat through and everything that you've ever heard about who God is? Are you taking those things and are you acting on them? Are you practicing those things in your life? Are you living out what you've learned about God? You guys have heard me say this before. We had a young man in the first church that we ever served in. He, he was one of the pastor's sons, and, and he would say, I just want God to show me something new. And the question Miss Kathleen and I always asked him was, what are you doing with what God's already shown you? Are you taking what you know to be true, what you know will honor God, and actually living it out? 
if you sit here tonight and you say, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus, and you are doing that, then thank God. Literally, thank God that He's given you the ability to do that. That He's put in you the discipline to continue to pursue Him. If you're here tonight and you say you're a Christian and you're not doing that, then ask God to remind you of the truths that you've learned in your life about Him. And ask Him to give you the desire to pursue those truths because Scripture tells us that when our hearts and our minds begin to align with God's will and God's Word, God begins to give us the things that we ask. Catch what I said there. I didn't say God gives us the things that we want. God gives us the things that we ask that line up with His will and His Word. That's what Scripture tells us. And He will give us that desire. Are you living in the confidence of who He is? Are you remembering what you know to be true? And are you remembering why it's true? If you're not doing those two things, you're not pursuing Jesus. And it may be because you've gotten lazy. It may be because nobody's reminded you of that in a long time. And you can do that starting tonight. You can open up your Bible and you can begin to pursue Jesus. You can read God's word and see what it looks like to live a life that honors him. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not doing that because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never come to that point where God's word has shown you that you've got a sin problem. It's the same problem that we all have and that God is the only one that can fix it. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, lived a sinless life, paid the penalty that scripture says is owed for our sin. He died on a cross. He gave his life. And yet scripture tells us three days later, he picked it back up. And he walked out of that tomb and he conquered sin and he conquered death and he offers every single one of us forgiveness of our sin if we will put our faith and our trust in him and you guys have heard me say this over and over there's no magic words scripture says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and you will be saved god i'm a sinner and i can't fix my own sin but i know jesus christ died on a cross for me and i want your forgiveness and i want to follow him with the rest of my life god please forgive me Those are my words. You can use your own. But if you're here tonight and you're not living those truths, it may be because you haven't taken that step. And as we stand and get ready to sing here in just a minute, if you feel like God's calling you to make that step tonight, to start that relationship with Him, I want to encourage you, come see me. I'll be over here or talk to any one of the other adults in this room because we would love to show you how God's Word changes your life and changes your eternity. Are you remembering what you know to be true? And are you remembering why it's true? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we can come together. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for reminders that we see in your word over and over that show us who we are called to be when we put our faith and trust in you. And God, I pray that you will help each one of us to remember that right here, right now. The things that people have poured into our lives, the the truths from your word that have been taught to us, the things that we've read, the things that we've understood. 
because we spent time studying your word. And God, help us to remember why it's true. It's true because of who you are. It's true because, God, you are holy and you are just. You are loving and you are forgiving. God, I pray that you help each one of us to live that out. God, if there's anybody in here tonight who's, who's struggling to live that out, God, give them the courage and the boldness to, to maybe take a 